Let there be light. Thanks. You've got some stuff to go on the screen, actually. So Cool. Ah, awesome. Well, um, first off, we've got quite a lot of empty seats in the front and a lot of you squished at the back. So if anyone wants to come and be friendly, then move forward a little bit. We are talking about money, but don't worry. We're not going to like come and take it out of your wallet if you sit on the front row. It's, it's perfectly safe. I wanted to... Um, now's your chance. Ah, oh, thanks. Bienvenue. <laughs> Merci, merci beaucoup. <laughs> um, to start with, it's a serious matter, money, isn't it? So I thought we'd better start with a joke. So <laughs> you might... <laughs> and there's going to be one in the middle and at the end or whatever. But <laughs> uh, you might have heard this one. There was a guy one day and he was talking to God. And he said, God, what is a thousand years like to you? And God said, it's just like a second to me. And the man said, wow, that's amazing. What is a million pounds like to you? And God said, it's just like a penny. And the guy thought for a second. He said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure, give me just a second. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be we're going to be talking about accessing heaven's true riches, and uh, there's kind of some contradictions within this. We're embracing contradictions today. So. Um, it's about money, and it's also not about money, as we'll explain as we go. And you'll see that there's, uh, we're drawing from three different kind of sources that we've been enjoying, listening to, reading and stuff. And sometimes those sources bring different ideas that actually kind of disagree with each other, and we're all right with that. And so if you hear something today that you disagree with, that's all right. We're, all, we're off the hook. We don't have to all agree on everything all the time. But we're going to come and present some different ideas to you about money. And we'd love you to think about it, to pray about it, to ask God what he's saying to you about it. But do something at the end. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about heaven's true riches. Can we have the next one, please? And the first thing we want to point out is that there's no money in heaven. Hmm, interesting. I, I like that that got a yay because I think that's like a... Uh. <laughs> yeah, good news, I think. Um, so when we're talking about heaven's true riches, what does that look like? Any ideas? What are heaven's riches? Go for it, Alice. Present, God's presence is present enough. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that, sorry. <laughs> yeah, God's presence. What else? Who he is, his attributes, his love, healing. Joy, eternal life, peace, his provision towards us as well, that he'll make sure we have what we need and more than enough to be generous. So it's sort of about money, but there's no money in heaven. Yeah, okay. We're going to divide this into a couple of different parts, and I'd like to call this, the subtitle for this talk is The Most Fun You'll Ever Have Talking About Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, because that's what the second part of the talk is about, but maybe not as you've heard it before. But before we get to that, Chris is going to run through five different uh, types of giving that are described in the Bible. And we're going to look at those five types and then we're going to get to the most fun you've ever had talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Oh, my glass of water. I won't kick it over, I promise. I don't get too excited. So, yeah. <laughs> Quiet in the cheap seats, no heckling. 
So, yeah, um, we talk about, like, accessing heaven's true riches. And Bryony said we've, we've picked a couple of sources on this one here. And I'm going to be really, I will say them now. I'll be really open and honest that uh, the part that I'm going to talk about, I have unashamedly ripped off some from someone else, but it's really good stuff. So um, there's a, some teaching from a guy at Bethel um, called Dan McCollum. And so uh, he's done a two-part thing on accessing heaven's true riches. Um, and we heard it a few years ago and really liked it. And we spoke on this before, um, but we didn't speak about the second part, which is what Brian's going to talk about. So there's that one there. We've also been uh, done a whole series that Phil led uh, on the, the Prosperous Soul by Stephen De Silva, who's also from Bethel, which is really good. And then for something a bit extra, um, there's some stuff from The Bible Project. Uh, there's some really, really good podcasts from them. And they do some stuff on um, on... God and money, that's it. And we listened to it the other week, didn't we? And thought it was brilliant, but very different from this, some of the stuff. So anyway, accessing heaven's true riches. Uh, can you jump on the next slide, please? Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember it was in my other, pra- in my other PowerPoint. I had a header slide. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, yeah, God seems to be really quite interested in money. And it, well, I think we can all agree it is quite an emotive subject. Um, but he does seem to talk about it quite a bit, especially in the New Testament. Um, so just start, start off with a scripture. It's always good to start off with one. So Luke 16, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So he's, he's already starting to get a little bit interested in money. And I think um, handling finances and the way that we handle finances is a key to breaking into the realms of the supernatural. He seems to, like, especially in the New Testament and, you know, in the early part of the New Testament, the Gospels, he, he talks about money a lot and sort of aligns that in terms of how we handle money is, how, is a test of our character and how we're then going to work in the other areas of our ministry. It's just a, a few little, um, yeah, just to say, um, Brian's already said, I'm going to say it again, this is not about money, but it is. <laughs> so we're not interested in trying to get you to give more money. That is not what this is about. If that's what you hear from this, you've misheard us. <laughs> but So just a, a few little facts and figures. Uh, in the first three Gospels, one verse in every six is about money. Wow. And out of 44 of Jesus' parables, 16 of them relate to the use or the misuse of money. So anyway, so that's my that's my precursor. But but moving on to the sort of the five types of giving. And um, we're going to start with tithing, which I think all of us know what tithing is. So tithing is uh, it comes from the scripture in in Malachi 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not there will not be room enough to store it. And so, yeah, so we've already kind of said, you know, there's no money in heaven. So I think sometimes, and I've been guilty of this in the past, I've kind of taken that scripture and gone, well, if I tithe, I'm going to get loads of money back because that's what the scripture says. And it's not. That's not what the scripture says. Doesn't mean we're not going to get money back, but that's not what the scripture's on about. He's on about sort of releasing heavenly blessings on us. It's worth a lot more, exactly, yeah. And so, I mean, I've put on there, tithe acknowledges that every good gift comes from God. Because it says in Proverbs 3, verse 9, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So it's a way that we can kind of honour God and basically acknowledge that everything comes from him. So we're just basically saying, 
everything comes from you and as a res- you know and, and in terms of of honoring you and recognizing that we're going to give back a tenth because that's what tithe actually means is in hebrew it literally means a tenth and i think some people sometimes think about the tithe and wonder where the tithe should go and kind of go well i tithe but i don't tithe it to the church i tithe to this charity or to this ministry over here and stuff like that and that's that's great don't please don't stop that but that's not where the tithe should go so if you look back in that scripture in malachi it says that there may be food in my house for the lord is saying food in my house so the tithe should come to the church it acknowledges that god is god and everything comes from him so the tithe is kind of it's towards god it's a type of giving where we're sort of giving back to god but it benefits the church And then if we look in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33, it says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's kind of saying, yeah, okay, fine, we're giving the tithe back to the church, um, sort of putting this tithe in the storehouse, and Father's going like, to heap out blessings on us. But he's also going to give us provision so he knows what we need and the key word in there is what we need and not what we want so there's a, there's a little distinction there but the other thing that the tithe actually does is it kind of it rebukes the devourer so if you go to the next verse on in malachi it says and i will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the lord of hosts so yeah, the tithe rebukes the devourer. Now, do we all, do we all know who the, who the devourer is and what the devourer is? I'll explain, yes. So the devourer is the devil. And it says um, in the New Testament, it says, you know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to bring eternal life. And so that's the devourer. So if, you're, if you find within your finances that you're only ever like kind of just scraping by, and kind of, you seem to be sort of getting money in. And if you look at your, you know, sort of, if you ever do a budget, you think, well, I'm getting money in, but as much is going out as is coming in, then the chances are the devourer has got in there somehow. And he's basically, it's like you've got holes in your wallet and money just keeps on going in and just slipping away again. And that's where actually the tithe can rebuke that devourer and kind of make sure that you have your provision. Also, I've heard, well, we've heard some people are kind of going, well, tithing is, is under the law in terms of it's a, it's a legalistic thing that, you know, we don't have to do it anymore. But the tithe predates the law. So in Genesis 14, verse 20, Abraham gave, gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. So that was the first record of a tithe being given. So that's, that's it there. And then, and then other people say, well, yeah, but since we have the new covenant, we don't need it anymore. But Jesus talks about it in Luke 11, verse 42. It says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter, so the just and love of God, without leaving the former undone. So we're saying, tithe, yeah, do all that, but do all this as well. And that leads on to our, our next thing. So just, just in summary of that, the tithing releases provision and it opens the floodgates, the, the doors to spiritual blessing. So um, if we move on to our next slide, please. 
Cool, giving. Right, so um, giving or the giving of alms is like sort of the next level of giving. So we've done our tithe, which is kind of bats back to God, and it's kind of, yeah, it's for God. The, the giving of alms is where you kind of, you, you give to a need. You see a need somewhere, and you kind of give to that. And it says in Matthew 6, verse 3, when you give to the needy. So when you give, not if you give, when you give. And it was a foundation of the early church that they would give to the poor. So in Galatians 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, James, Peter and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the, God, the gift that God had given me. That's Paul was talking here. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion, or in some translations, their only desire was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. And so that's, that's what Paul's saying. It was a foundation of the early church that they actually, they gave to the poor. So giving, so tithing is kind of, it's recognizing that God is God and we're going to give to him. But giving of alms is motivated by compassion and need. And we kind of, that's, that's okay that we kind of, we look at, a need and just want to kind of meet that and kind of relieve that suffering and that's really good in proverbs 19 verse 17 it says whoever is kind to the poor lends to the lord and he will reward them for what they have done so we're essentially lending so by giving to the poor we're lending money to god and i'm pretty sure that his interest rate is better than the bank of england so i think that's I think that's a fairly safe place to uh, to put your money and, and lend there. And that's really good. And I think it, it's also giving to the poor is a key to answer prayer and our own financial needs. So if we're struggling with stuff and we give to the poor, then he's going to reward us. But also if we don't, again, Proverbs 21 verse 13, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. So if you're not concerned with the poor and the needy, then if you're struggling, who's going to be concerned with you? It's kind of, I mean, we all know this sort of stuff, that it's all good. And the measure with which you give to the poor is the measure that we use back to give back to you. So in Luke 6, verse 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So that's that. And then I kind of like the... The summary term on that is giving leads to increase, which we've seen from that scripture. You know, we lend to the Lord, he's going to repay us and we're going to get more back than we've given. So that's all really good. So next slide. Sowing. Right. So sowing is the first form of giving, um, different to giving of arms and tithing, where it is completely optional. You do not have to do it. There's nowhere in the Bible says that you have to sow seed. But it's still good stuff. Bear with me. It is still good. So where giving is kind of directed at a need, sowing is done according to your own heart and your own vision. And you kind of you sow where you want to see something, you want, where you want to see reaper, reaper return. So when you, yeah, when you sow, you expect a return. So a farmer, when he's sowing seed, doesn't just go, hmm, I'm going to just throw the seed out here and maybe if I'm lucky something will come back. That's not how it works. I don't know, I'm not a farmer. I don't know if any of you are farmers. But when they sow seed, they are expecting crops to grow in that field. And they're expecting an increase on that. But it's not just, 
I'm throwing some seed out there. So I'm throwing some corn seed out there, but I don't know what I'm going to get back. I might get grapes, I might get wheat, I might get apples. I don't know. It doesn't work like that. You throw corn seed out, you're going to get corn back. So this is why sowing is actually really important to kind of use your wisdom and use sort of see what your desire is and you sow into that area because that's where you want to see an increase. And the other key difference between giving of arms and sowing is that when you give to the poor, you're not looking for a return from that field. I don't, if I'm sowing into sort of poverty, I don't want to reap back poverty. It's, there's a subtle difference. Can you see what I'm saying? Where giving of alms is kind of, it's just motivated by compassion, but this sowing is really decisive. So in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 8, 6 to 8, sorry. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Yeah, we do. It is a, that's a great scripture. And I've heard lots of teaching people talking about giving and stuff like that. And they kind of use that one to kind of say, well, when you bring the tithe, don't be grudging about it and that sort of stuff. Nothing to do with the tithe. It's about sowing. So, and it says, so we should sow cheerfully and decisively. But it is optional. You don't have to do it. And it gets even better, because with obviously to sow, you need seed. And where does the seed come from? The seed comes from God, because the next verse after that section there, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of feed, your store of seed, sorry, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So if you don't have seed to sow, I think, you have to ask yourself, and I've, I've done this, I'm not pointing fingers, I've done this, it's like, are you a sower? Because if you're not a sower, why is he going to give you seed? And also, if you haven't got seed to sow, have you eaten your seed? And by that I mean in terms of, so like when a farmer, again, it's a great analogy, a farmer sows all his seed out and he reaps a harvest back, does he eat it all and sell it all? No, he keeps some of it back to be seed for the next year's harvest. So, that's that one there. And there's a, a quote. I, can't, I heard it on the Dan McCollum talk, but I can't remember who it was that he heard it from because he quoted it. I'm quoting a quota. <laughs> and he if it makes it mine. Oh, yeah, because I can't remember who it is. Therefore, it's mine. That's it. I remember now. If it's not big enough to meet my need, I assume it's seed. So if you've, if you've got something, if you've been given something, you've got something there and you go, that's great. But it, it doesn't actually meet anything that I, I'm, I'm looking for at the moment. Then... Are we meant to sow it into something? Are we meant to turn this into something bigger than it actually is? The quote, if it's not big enough to meet my need, I assume it's seed. So just in summary on there, sowing also brings increase, but it's the first part that starts actually releasing abundance. Cool. Next slide. I know I'm cantering through this, but I want to leave time for Brian to talk about hers as well. Right. Saving. Okay. So, tithing, giving, sowing are all about actually giving money away or giving stuff away, seed, whatever it is, time. It doesn't have to be about money, but it usually is. Um, saving is the first one where we're not giving it away. 
we're actually keeping it back. Saving, I'll say this now, saving is a godly principle. So Proverbs 13, verse 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And that, I mean, like Proverbs is a great book where you kind of read it and go, this just makes so much sense. Why didn't I think about that? But we all know that. If you save a little bit of money every single week, put it in a bank account somewhere or in a piggy bank or whatever, when you open it up, you go, wow, there's there's quite a bit in there because you've been saving little and little. And what's interesting is I think saving is a key to seeing our dreams fulfilled. So if we don't save anything, how can we expect to do anything? We all know that almost anything in this world to do anything in this world you're going to need money because it's just that's the way that it works so if we don't save anything how can we do anything and the next verse after that Proverbs one of saving it says hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life so I think as I said I, I think saving is a key to seeing our dreams fulfilled I will say though that saving out of fear is wrong so saving because you think you might not have anything in the future that your, your sort of well of resource is going to dry up or whatever, that's wrong. It's symptomatic of the orphan spirit that says, I better save now because I may not get any more. But saving based on wisdom and faith is good. And one of the best examples of that was Joseph, who saved just 5% in seven good years, so that in seven years of famine, nations didn't starve. The nation of Israel would have been wiped out had he not have done that. But it wasn't until after he had actually implemented that saving plan that he saw his own dreams fulfilled. That his his brothers came and bowed down before him. It was after he'd done all of that. And Proverbs 13, verse 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is sought up for the righteous. So in summary, you can't leave an inheritance if you didn't save anything. Cool. Next slide then. Last one for me. Investing. So, we've talked about tithing, giving and sowing, which are forms of giving stuff away. Saving is about kind of being wise with what you've got and trying to make sure that you leave an inheritance and saving in order to do stuff with it. And investing is something else. Investing is about being a good steward of what God has given us. Stewardship is not about giving stuff away. It is about kind of using the stuff that we've got well. And um, there are two parables in particular that talk about this. The parable of the minus and the parable of the talents. And that's about stewardship. And God wants to see an increase on what he's given us. So in those stories, I hope you all know those stories, but I'll just summarize over them. The parable of the talents, master gives talents and the talent in this one here is not a gifting or ability, although in our culture we can apply that. It was money, and it was a lot of money. Yeah. It was a lot of money. And he gave talents to some of his servants, and he gave different amounts according to their ability. So that's an example of the Father's love. He doesn't want us to fail. He gives us stuff according to our ability. So if we're not able, he's not going to give us loads of stuff to, to be able to fail with it. He wants us to learn. But he gives sums of money to each of his servants and kind of then goes away and comes back and he wants to see an increase so he rewards the two who actually made an increase but he punishes the one that doesn't that just it, that operates out of fear and just hides it and buries it in the ground so 
Yeah, so Matthew, so Matthew 25 is where that parable of the talents is. And verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So stewardship is about finding creative ways to resource and increase what he has given us. And I will say that investing is not a capitalistic mindset. I know that in our culture now, everyone sees it that way because they see these big multinational companies who have just sort of like amassing huge amounts of wealth. But it's in the Bible. He wants, us to, he wants people to see an increase. It's a kingdom mindset. And I think that the key difference is the heart behind it. And Brian, I'll come on to it a little bit, but like the, in our culture, in our sort of capitalistic culture, we have this concept of the self-made man or the self-made person where I've done all of this stuff from my own ability and I've amassed this wealth from my own ability. But what's it been for? Whereas actually, if you use a kingdom mindset, you are kind of amassing wealth for the kingdom. And that is really good. And I think that's what I have to say. A minute over, a minute over. Wasn't that bro? (laughs) So good, so good. Um, I find this topic just so exciting because um, I think where we've been up to as a church, like a wider church in the past, is like we've been really good at reinforcing that law about tithing. And Chris said that tithing deals with provision, the things that we need, not necessarily the abundance and the things above. And so for such a long time, we've, we've been faithful with that. And God has been faithful to supply exactly what we need. But we haven't really seen a, a huge amount of the abundance and the growth and the to give on every occasion and to be able to just make other people's dreams come true and all of that. Well, perhaps because we've been ignoring some of the other four that are the keys to releasing that, the giving of arms, the saving, the investing, and the sowing of seed. <laughs> yeah, which those ones do deal with the over and above. And I think God is releasing those as strategies to us as this next season to get us from the meeting our needs just enough, scraping by, he's been faithful, we've always had enough, into this new realm of like nothing is impossible. We could just do this. We could meet that need. We could fix that problem. We could build that facility. We could um, resource that food bank. We could send those teams out. That's, That's kind of where we're heading into. Okay, so now we're getting into the most fun you've ever had talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, um, which is a surprising one, isn't it? And uh, the other thing that we're going to just deal with is the good news and the bad news about tithing. Okay, so could we have the next one, please? So what does giving accomplish? Sorry, one more. (laughs) Okay, so um, a lot of times when we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, we don't really talk about it, do we? It's, uh, we sort of just feel a bit sad and ashamed about it. Um, but uh, we think of it to be, to be something to do with sexual sin, depravity, there's something going on there. But those things, I would suggest, are a symptom, not a problem. Um, that those the, that picture of what we saw in the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the the terrible things that happened there were a symptom of something that was going on in the heart. And in Ezekiel, um, I think the problem, the root of it, is kind of revealed. So he says, Sodom's sins were pride, 
gluttony and laziness while the poor and needy suffered outside her door and that those things led to then this kind of anything goes culture because of those three root problems that have come in um and when Dan McCollum uh, addresses this in his talk, he says, listen to that, isn't that a picture of America? I would take that further and say, isn't that a picture of the Western world? Pride, I've done this by myself. I don't need anyone but myself. The gluttony, more, 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 never enough. And the laziness or the apathy, or, or um, in some translations it says being unconcerned, um, just not you know, kind of blocking our ears to the cry of the needy. And he says, yeah, that's that's what was at the root of it. Well, the good news, because we're not going to dwell on the horrible stuff about that, the good news is that giving and sowing is actually the antidote to all of this. It's an amazing tool we've been given to take us away from the culture of the Western world and into the kingdom culture to release something totally different instead. Um, And we're going to look at each one of these three things uh, to see how giving turns the situation around and transforms it into something much more exciting. So let's look at the first one, pride, on our next slide, please. Okay, so uh, this passage in Isaiah, it's very poetic, uh, interesting language, but the uh, ancient interpreters and modern interpreters have taken this to be a picture of how Satan came to become a fallen angel. And they say his sin was pride. That was the original sin in a way. That he he says here at the bottom, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. That basically he became God in his own eyes and uh, wanted to raise himself up to be equal to God. Well, the perfect antidote to this is the tithe. So the good news and the bad news about the tithe. The good news is, like Chris uh, covered, uh, we're not under law anymore. So the good news is you do not have to tithe. Just forget about that rule, if you like. Yes, it predates it and stuff, but any law, we don't have to, we're not tied to that anymore. Take away the rule that says you must give 10% religiously every week or whatever. The bad news is, well, (laughs) the the, the first church, the early Christians, did not tithe. That principle wasn't necessarily talked about in the stories. The bad news is they gave everything. (laughs) They didn't even keep 10% for themselves. So we're not saying you have to give 10%. (laughs) We're saying if you're lucky, you get to keep 10%. (laughs) That's the good news and the bad news about the tithe, that in this grace culture, that grace actually requires a greater, everything I have is yours. We were singing earlier earlier you are worthy of it all for from you come all things and to you are all things and you deserve the glory and that's what the tithe has become to us now if we take away the law part of it it's a worship offering that says everything has come from you so everything belongs to you you deserve it all and we take a portion of our first fruits before we try and tackle our own needs, our own desires, even the, the things that tug on our heartstrings. Before all of that, we say, you are God and I am not. And I recognize that this came from you and I'm giving it back to you. And it tackles that image of the self-made man that we've built that says, the hours I put into my work equal the money that comes back to me. I worked hard for this, so this is my money. And instead we say, it all came from 
from you. Like, I might have worked, but you gave me the work in the first place, and I'm thankful to you. The extra amazing blessing about this, you see, if we say that if we go by the law of the self-made man, then the hours you put in equals the money you get back, and that equals the total limit of your resources, that, you know, if you want more, you have to work harder and you get some more. If you can't work any harder, then you're capped and that's the limit of it. The, the, when we say all of this came from you, then suddenly we're opening the door to heaven's resources instead and saying the limit of this is, well, <laughs> there's no limit. And suddenly we can uh, access what we need for the situations ahead of us. So tithing is putting ourselves in that position. And Chris said it has to go to the church. Well, he's absolutely right. It's not, um, it's not that we're holding on to that law still and being super religious about it. We're saying that in the giving, in the sowing, in the investing and in the saving, we exercise our choice. It's all about what I want to do, what I choose to do, what I feel like God might be saying, what I'm going to try, what I'm going to risk, what I'm going to enjoy having a go at. But the tithe, I'm saying it's not about my choice. It's not about my ideas. It's just about me surrendering and sacrificing to you. So that's why we say, well, let's give it back into the church. It's as a as a offering um, and then for the others, we exercise a lot of discretion and choice and all of that. Um, you can, like I said at the beginning, feel free to disagree with me. It's all right. I don't, I, we won't fall out over it. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's how we see it, that that's what the tithe is about. It's about setting, putting to death the self-made man, setting aside my choices, my preferences, and saying, I surrender it all to you. You deserve so much more than the 10, but let's start with that. Okay, next one. Gluttony. Um, I said that really happily. (laughs) Gluttony. (laughs) I mean gluttony. Um, (laughs) uh, So, uh, yeah, from Proverbs. It says, where there is no revelation or vision, the people perish or cast off restraint. Um, The image that I think works so well for this is I've put an Olympic athlete up at the top there. An Olympic athlete is training for a purpose. They have a vision. They know what they are aiming for. And no sacrifice along that way is too much for that vision. But what you quite often see is like I've, I've worked quite a lot with athletes who've retired. And they're kind of, they lose their anchor. They, they're like trying to find a new purpose and a new meaning. And uh, it's always a bit of a battle for retired athletes because they've trained so much. When they lose that, sometimes they just balloon afterwards because what's the point, you know? Um, but when you've got a vision, then you keep hold of that restraint and it's so worth it because it's for something. Uh, so a great antidote to... Um, to gluttony and that cast off of restraint, um, casting off of uh, self-control and so on, is to have a vision, to have dreams. So this is where the realm of sowing comes into play. It's great to find somebody who's doing the thing that you wish you were doing and to bless them and say, do you know what, if I had enough money, I would be um, going and doing mission trips to Uganda once a month. (laughs) But I don't have the money to do it. But these guys are going. I only have a little right now, but I'm going to sow it into them. And I'm going to make their dream come true while I'm waiting for my dream to come true. 
and it keeps you focused and it uh, releases those dreams like Chris was saying that about the dream fulfilled being the tree of life that's sowing into into the dreams into the uh, vision brings the fruit of self-control and discipline and vision and purpose into our lives and it starts to release things in our own life cool okay let's do the next one so the third one then is um, the laziness or being unconcerned. So this one follows on from the one before, in a way. When you lose your vision and you lose the restraint and get into that, just the gluttony thing of just me, 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 more, 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 more. Dan McCollum says the next thing that follows is the nothing. He says the nothing's going to get you where just nothing really matters, nothing really floats your boat. You know, you don't get excited about that much. The nothing, the unconcern, the apathy creeps in bit by bit. And this is the scary bit, really, because you don't always notice it coming. It's like the colour is gradually stripped out until it's sort of like, yeah, I could take it or leave it, whatever, you know, just not that excited at the moment. And if you found yourself getting into that mode sometimes where it's like, it's just another day, isn't it? <laughs> then one of the things we can do to, to combat that, just to break it off, is to give generously to the poor, to the needy, to stir up compassion in our own hearts. And we don't have to wait for a need to be presented. It's quite fun in a way to like have a little um, store of money that you're like, I'm going hunting for something that I just will so enjoy giving to. Uh, we had... We had a lot of fun a while back when someone was just describing a need to us, a group of us, and we were like, why has that been going on for such a long time? Like, we could just fix that. We could just stop that being a problem. Let's just do it. And the little whip round happened, and it was so much fun just to, like, just fix that. It doesn't have to be a problem anymore. And the joy that you get from that starts to spark a little bit of passion, starts to spark a little bit of life until it spreads and spreads and sparks a fire in you where it's like, oh, come on, let's do some more of that. Like, that was 20 quid. Let's do 200 quid. Let's do 2,000 pounds. It grows and it grows and it grows. Um, and one of the amazing things, too, uh, from Isaiah 58 is God talking in this passage through Isaiah about um, they've been bringing their offerings and doing the bits they were supposed to do but he's saying what I really wanted was for you to break every yoke to let the oppressed go free so I'm going backwards is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out and you see the naked and you cover him and hide not, not hide yourself from your own flesh then it says your light will break forth like the morning your healing will spring forth speedily your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard then when you call the Lord will answer and you cry and he straight away says here I am so if we want to see an increase in those things, then one of the things we can do is to start looking for ways to bring about social justice, to help people when they need it, to give generously, um, and for that passion to spark up. And God loves to respond to it. Okay, so those are our three things from Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Hopefully we've learned some nice things from them, and it's a bit more of a positive spin on that story. Um, what I would really love us to do is to have a little think about maybe the things that we could do if we stepped out of that just enough into that 
abundance. What is there that has presented itself to you or you've been thinking about that you're like, do you know what? If I had the money, I would love to just fix that. I would love to just bless those guys. Um, Maybe there's a need that you've seen. Maybe there's a dream that you'd love to make come true for yourself or for someone else. But could you have a little think and maybe just say to the person next to you, because I think it's really good, we can hear these principles and never actually make them applicable to our own lives. Whereas I think this would just root it a little bit and it's good to speak it out loud. So what would you love to just fix in a day if you could or or to make something happen? Um, So yeah, two minutes to just quickly just discuss that with someone near you. Okay, so my next question for you folks is, what do you have in your hand already? So uh, a brilliant quote that I love from this, uh, this talk that Dan McCollum did was, he said, most of our breakthrough will be given to us in seed form, which means that sometimes we don't recognize it. And it's down to us of what we choose to do with the seed. God's provided the seed for us, but how do we use it? to be the breakthrough that he has in mind for us. So that could be, remember, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about money and we're not talking about money. (laughs) But what do you have in your hand already that you could start doing something towards that dream and maybe he could grow it? So feel free to ponder that in future. Um, I'm going to set another little challenge and then we have a funny story to finish um so the the next challenge is from the steve de silva course so if you came on the prosperous soul course you might have heard this already but he said a really great place to start if you want to start practically implementing some of this stuff is to take a look at your finances and roughly look at the balance of them. He said a good place to start is to try and get it so that maybe 10% of your money is giving or or tithing or whatever. 10% of it is saving. And then the remaining 80% is for living and paying your bills and all of that. Like, is that an achievable balance that you could see? And if it is, then maybe start saying, well, what about if I could get to 15%, so I do my tithe, and then I have another 5% that I just choose to 
give somehow, and then another 15% that I'm um, either investing or paying off debt, because don't like go crazy giving loads of money away if you've got massive credit card bills. You've got to be responsible and pay, pay off what you owe and things like that and have a plan to do that. And then you've got the remaining, did I say 15, 15, 70% for living. And we could start to just gradually, maybe once a year, look at it and say, well, where do I want to be eventually? I would love to be at 60% for my needs, 20% saving and investing and stuff, and 20% giving and being generous. Or, or maybe I want 30% giving and 10% saving. And like, Set yourself a goal and look at it really practically because these things can just be ideas in our head that we think, oh, that's a nice idea, and we never do anything about it. But if we actually looked at our budgets and sat down and made a plan, what could God do? Maybe that's the bit that we have in our hand at the moment that we could, that's the seed he's given us that we could play with. We might have been eating our seed all along and not realizing that that was for sowing. So something practical. Okay, so to finish up, a funny story kind of about the good news and the bad news about tithing okay and I've told this at least 20 million times in the last like 15 years or something so I'm sorry you probably almost certainly heard it before uh, it's a J. John story and he told it at Connect 2 uh, but one day J. John was going to the airport and he had a little bit of time in hand and so he went to the Costa Coffee and sat down and ordered himself a coffee and they do this little box of mini donuts. Mmm, delicious. And so he took his coffee and his box of donuts and his carry-on luggage and he found himself a table and sat down, put, set his stuff all out and started just sipping his coffee. And it was pretty busy in the cafe and this woman came and sat in front of him and put her stuff down and got herself sorted and was enjoying her coffee too. He was like, well, I can share a table, that's all right. I'm not here for too long. And he took one of his mini donuts, enjoyed it, delicious. Then, to his horror, the woman opposite him reached out and took one of his donuts too and ate it. Hmm, delicious. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> How do I respond? So he took another one quite pointedly and like, oh, these are mine. Uh, she did the same, reached out, took another one, cheeky, uh, enjoyed his donuts. So then he kind of slid it a little bit closer towards him and took another one. And she just smiled, reached over, took another one. This woman, the cheek of it. Honestly, so he took the last two and shoves them in and his flight gets announced. So he goes down to get his carry-on bag and there on the floor next to his carry-on is his own box of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of this story is that they're actually all God's donuts. <laughs> there we go. So hopefully <laughs> we've had a talk about giving, sowing, investing, giving to those in need. We've talked about the most fun we can have talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. But we really believe that it's going to lead us into some amazing things. We would love to be a company of people that could make people's dreams come true that could just sort out the problems in our community and say you, like let's just make this food bank happen let's just sort out some housing for those guys who are struggling let's just fix this today why not um so i would really challenge you have a look at your finance ask god what is the seed that you could be sowing and i think he's going to lead us into some really cool things there we go Thank you so much, Chris and Brian. That, I mean, I'm sure you all agree that was just full of 